Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners. It's Dave Melton here. And before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. I've got all my line mates with me this evening. But first, if you want to support this podcast to keep it going, uh, one thing you can do is leave us a five-star review wherever it is you are listening to this episode. You leave us four stars or fewer, we'll assume you're a Blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the website for all of our content for Game previews, recaps, analysis, commentary, all that good stuff uh, is available at the website. And for additional content that is exclusive to our subscribers who are really helping us keep this place going, uh, there's a $5 tier, $5 a month tier, $10 a month tier for additional content involved with both of those. There's also merch available at the secondcityhockey.com website if you want to get some gifts for your friends and family or, or even your enemies. Buy it for everybody. Um that's another way you can help support this website and keep this whole operation moving forward. But without any further ado, let's bring in all the other line mates this evening as we're recording during the Blackhawks and Predators game on Tuesday night. There have been approximately 300 goals scored in the last five minutes, and I have missed all of them. So uh, if you hear any random outbursts during the podcast this evening, that's why you're hearing that. But up first, he is on Twitter at mill 182 Two, and he is the second city hockey with Dave Hill is the Slade. It's Mill Savage. I'm also, like many past uh, Chicagoans in the past, a Mitch Trubisky haver for the foreseeable future. Uh, well, you should probably uh, get look get uh, get that checked out because that's a pretty bad ailment and you definitely want to get rid of it as soon as you possibly can. Maybe better than being a Trace McSorley haver. <sighs> I, I don't have any good news for you, Bill. It's like maybe... Maybe you get like the one fluky game where uh, nobody covers anybody and he throws like four or five touchdown passes in a half, or maybe he throws four or five interceptions in a half there and there's nothing in between. So uh, best of luck with enjoy your Mitch Trubisky experience. Yeah. They're playing new England on Thursday. It might be like a visibly like just the most disgusting thing anybody's ever watched. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll watch the Hawks game instead. Good for you. (laughs) <laughs> the the Hawks might outscore the Patriots and that's saying something. <laughs> but they're doing it right now. Yeah, true, true. Also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the second city hockey bullion wall of text. It's Betsy. Like often after Mill's intro, I have no idea what you guys talked about. <laughs> Sometimes it's music. This wasn't even Sometimes a pro wrestling sport? one. No, but it's it was football related and I do not care. I now that is is college. College isn't quite over, but like Georgia's stuff. It. Oh, I, I was I was just about to ask like how things were going in the house with Georgia's loss on Saturday. Like I my know mom I, was <laughs> livid. Um, my nephew was play, playing games, uh, video games in his room, and he was like, "I had to turn my headset up because she was yelling so loud. <laughs> I could hear her from two floors away." Yeah, she was not. She didn't like it. It was, it's weird. She sounded the same way she did when they played tech and they were up by like 14 um, against tech at any given time. I feel like um, Georgia tech. So it doesn't really matter (laughs) what the score. She's going to yell at the TV, but (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't, 
I mean, better that they lost to Alabama than Florida. I feel like UGA fans hate Florida more. Well, yeah, but I think Florida sucks now, so it's it's like yeah, you know, it's it's like hating uh, it's like hating the Ducks. Like they're just they're what's the point? They're not any good. That's true, but either way, she was not. <laughs> but like they're done, right? Because they're not in the top four. They dropped. Yeah, like, like that was a big. Yeah, they're not. Game. They're not in the postseason playoffs, so they're going to be uh, playing like in a bowl game randomly. They get they get a consolation prize, and they're I probably justifiably upset about it, but. Uh, yeah, that that's our college football discussion probably for for this episode. I don't yeah. have any other thoughts on that. I'm good. Yeah. Also with us this evening, uh, he's the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent on Twitter at Eric G E G. It's Eric Gagenheimer. Uh, one thing the Blackhawks could immediately do to make this season a lot more fun is go hire whoever farted in the Andre Vasilevsky <laughs> press conference yesterday and bring them uh, in to fart during all their press conferences, especially after they get smoked. Uh, eight to one by the Arizona Cardinals or Coyotes. I almost said Cardinals. You, all the football talk has got me off yes. my game. Yes, but yes. Uh, the, the, the the team that made me vomit on Sunday. Thank you. You're very welcome. But if lots, no of farting, lots of farting. Lots of farting in that game. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the Vasilevsky press conference video for some grade A seventh grade humor. It was fantastic. I just want to say I'm surprised it didn't happen in a Hawks presser first. It should. That's what I'm saying. Get it get well, it going in every single one well, this year. Well, Eric, Somebody just stand right to the side of Felino every time. Why don't you, why don't you see his... that person? <laughs> you know what? I could. <laughs> I I have no I have nothing to offer to that just other than I watched it and it's it, as you said, it is grade A seventh grade humor. Like I felt like I was a twelve year old child for how much I giggled at it, but sorry, it's funny. Like farts are never not farts in unexpected places are just funny. The fart well, is one level I'm of sorry. funny, but then everyone's reaction to it takes yeah. it to an even higher level. <laughs> yeah. So, and the it's fact that like totally broke the conference, that was, <laughs> it was oh, like watching uh, Jimmy Fallon on a Saturday night live bit where he would break and then everyone else would break. And it was always Jimmy Fallon breaking first every single time. But yeah, just, well, yeah you every skit. <laughs> there's a whole Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler song all about that. So yes, yes. Um, so what were we going to talk about? Hockey, right? Yes. We, we we covered a lot of ground in the uh, the open there because uh, I think that's what the season is uh, slowly starting to do to us already because the it's twenty three games in and uh, this this chapter of the Blackhawks looks an awful lot like the last chapter of the Blackhawks, uh, a slightly different cast and a little bit more hope for the future. But the present chapter that we are witnessing is uh, it's not it's not a lot of fun. And the main thing I wanted us to get into first this evening involves the game on Sunday, right before it, Lucas Reichel was a uh, healthy scratch. Coach Richardson uh, talked about it before the game. He's back in the lineup tonight. He's playing on the fourth line. And um, I haven't, I don't know if he factored into that, any of the goals. Cause I was in another room preparing for this for five minutes and I missed five goals scored by uh, each of the teams. So um, I don't believe Reichel has done anything tonight, but the, the thing I wanted to discuss with the group, and I'm going to bring this over to Betsy first, because I hinted at the doom and gloom I have felt hovering around Lucas Reichel doom doom uh, in the last two to three days, ever since this healthy scratch came out. And you Betsy, you mentioned in our chat that uh, while well, he's got kind of similar numbers to Dylan Strom or to Nick Schmaltz. And my entire, that is my entire concern is that ultimately what's going to happen is that there will be good stretches. There will be bad stretches. He will get scratched again. Then there'll be a good stretch. Then there'll be a bad stretch. Then he'll get scratched again. And then sometime in the next two or three years, he's going to get traded because the Hawks just, this is seems to be what always happens when, when this starts happening to hire like guys who are supposed to be top six forwards for the long term. As soon as like the the first healthy scratch, it just starts the whole process. So, Betsy, please explain to me if I'm being a little dramatic and if uh, it's unnecessary to think that in two years, uh, Reichel's going to get traded to Washington or wherever. We all have PTSD, right? Like, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, the very beginning of the season, we talked about this in relation to Kevin Korchinski because. We all had, especially me, I kept bringing it up. It was like rushing him to the NHL just reminds me of every other, you know, Yukiharu, Boquist, Forsling, all these young defenders 
that they rushed before they should have been in the NHL, you know, um, and you don't want to ruin them for rushing them. And then with Reichel, he's practically the same blueprint. Like he's, he's almost identical in blueprint to Schmaltz, Teravinen, and a little bit of Strom because they're all the same playmaker. They don't shoot a lot. They're great at zone entries. Um, obviously Schmaltz, is more of a skater. Uh, Strom and Tiravinen were uh, better with passing. Tiravinen is probably more of a mixed bag. Um, and the thing with Strom and Schmaltz was always that their underlying numbers were always pretty good. And Reichel's is decent too. He's not like, um, it's Bedard, Felino, Dickinson, and then Reichel in terms of game score among forwards. Mm-hmm. So he is still top four in terms of the things that should be, you know, should turn into goals and points, right? Like that Mm -hmm. should theoretically happen. Well, what happened with Schmaltz and Strom is that unless they were with players that could benefit from their style of play, those types of points fluctuated or, you know, and again, them being young, it also fluctuated, but look at like Strom right now, you know, he's, he's still a pretty good player on the caps and the caps team is, not good either. Yeah, they're and then rough. the minute Arizona got decent players, Smaltz has been like a point nine PPG player. So, and then Tara Vinen actually improved his underlying numbers. I don't, I'm not saying Tara, uh, Reichel could do that, but like he even got better. Not only did he hit where he like finally was getting the results, his underlying numbers showed once he got to Carolina, they got better over time. So, there's a whole thing about the Blackhawks not being patient enough for young players. Um, and this is a bad team. And I joked about how I don't think there's that much difference between him being uh, on the fourth line or the second line other than time on ice because the quality of player difference isn't huge. Yeah, and when, and when you said that, I hated how – uh, little I could refute that argument that there's not much of a difference between yeah. the second and the fourth line, and that is indicative of the entire state of the Hawks roster right now. Yeah, technically speaking, like Radish has like slightly better than I probably give him credit for, but he's still lukewarm. He exists. He's there. Uh, he does stuff, but you don't remember that stuff. Um, Donato, Tyler Johnson are basically the same. And Entwistle is the lowest quality of them all, but he tries hard, you know, which is okay. Um, (laughs) But I just, I don't think there's a lot for Reichel to work with regardless. And um, he was still doing, he was doing better when he was with Bedard and Kurashev. He was in on plays. It's just, they didn't immediately cash in all the time. So I don't, I don't exactly know what Richardson wants from him, but I don't think that this particular roster does anyone any benefits, but much less a player of that type of mold. I just, he has to play with high skill guys and there's only really two, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like, there is a, the different, I think the different scenario now is that when like the Strom and Schmaltz and going back to the Teravine and eras of the Blackhawks, like, they were in a much more trying to win in the short term situation. I think the Hawks have a much more long term focus here. So I'm not saying like they're, the Hawks are going to like trade him, give up on him this season and trade him away. And it's it's a definitely an, an irrational thing. Like I, I would like to echo, echo that. Like it is definitely like the PTSD that you mentioned, Betsy, from all these other first round picks that didn't, or just highly touted players that didn't pan out here who went somewhere else and had have and are continuing to have good NHL careers. And it seems like Lucas Reichel is in a similar mold. Like he's not going to be, he's not going to be Connor Bedard, but you need more than uh, you need an entire top six to be competitive. And it seems like Reichel could be a part of that if they just, you know, if they put him in a situation to succeed, but he's not in that situation to succeed because this roster sucks ass right now. And it's like, I, I don't know what's all what much more he can be expected to do when he just doesn't he's not the type of player that can make a line work by himself 
And he's, it's like, he's being punished for that. And that's, uh, it just seems it just, it's, I have a very bad feeling about this whole Lucas Reigel thing now, and it's going to be hard to shake. Uh, Eric, what about you? Do you have any similar thoughts or am I uh, too doomy and gloomy for you? No, I'm, I'm, I could, I could be doomy and gloomy in a different way. Um, I don't know how much he really matters like to the future. He'd be a nice player to have, but even like talking about Schmaltz and talking about Strom, like those are nice guys to have, but they're not, it's not really that important um, for them right now. The only two players I think that are important are Korczynski and Bedard. Um, And even, you know, in, in hearing you say, it seems like could be like, you know, I don't know. And there's a bigger issue at play. And I think we're going to talk about that more. And that's how other players are able to develop on a roster like this. That is so bereft of talent that everyone is overslotted and they're overmatched. And that's what I think we're seeing with Reichel more than anything is there's, there's no soft landing spot for him and they don't even necessarily know where to slot him or how to utilize him right now. So that's a lot to ask a, a young player to come up to get acclimated to a league and to play and make plays when he doesn't know what he's being asked to do. And that's kind of the, the overall issue is he, and of course the fourth line and the second line, there's not much of a difference. It's a symbolic difference if anything, yeah. but you know, having him sit and whether it's cause he needs to take a break and kind of figure out a way to get back into it, they're sending him a message, whatever it is. But, you know, that's, it's hard not to feel like this is this first half of the season. I don't know that he's learned anything or quarter of the season. Excuse me. I don't know that he's learned anything from it. Definitely not anything good. So, (laughs) you know, you have three quarters of a season to try to figure out the best way to, you know, affect him in his game going forward. And I don't know that you can do that on this team with this roster right now. Yeah. Like there was, at the end of the last season, when they brought him up, uh, they brought him up after the trade deadline when the Hawks roster roster was gutted and he had 15 points in 23 games. Um, and that like, that was, that was a really good stretch for him. And like, that was, you hope that was a harbinger of things to come that he was going to be, you know, at least starting to show flashes of the top six talent he could be. Uh, and it just, it hasn't, hasn't clicked this season. And it's just the, the one thing, and I forget it was one of our, summer episodes or uh, the longer interview ones with somebody. And I can't remember which person it was. It was either Corey Snyder or it was a uh, Jay fresh hockey or I forget his name's Jack, I believe, but he just go Jay fresh hockey on Twitter anyway. But um, the, the point they made related to like the Hawks with this rebuild thing is anytime you have a player that like a fourth line grinder type, that's going to work in any system anywhere. Like the Hawks called up Joey Anderson. He's played, he's had two or three really good games. He's been noticeable, but he plays a style of hockey that's going to translate anywhere. The really tricky part is when you are trying to develop skill. And it seems like the Hawks have not been able to do that for years. And like Lucas, like Connor Bedard is going to develop, but he's going to develop on his own. And, and, and there's so many other, every other instance is like a player who ultimately did not work out when it was a more skill-based game instead of a grinder for checky type game. Um, so I've, but I've rambled a lot. Mill, what do you th- think about all this? I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Eric. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and try to find out what the problem is, but I think you look at around the NHL for years, there's so many guys who aren't good and then they go somewhere else and they, even if they don't become a star, they become a solid player. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's not very many players who are so good despite the situation, you know, the Connor McDavid's of the world. Um, and that may, you know, Bedard may be the only guy on the team who can be that good despite the state of the team. I don't know if it's an indictment on coaching. I kind of agree with what Betsy said about them, you know, it being the patience with young players and the last few years, especially, but. I don't know. I think time will tell. And that sucks for us because we want to talk about it every week. <laughs> well, it's, it's like trying to find, um, I, I think we're, there's, you're trying to find reasons for hope for this team. And there's, um, I want to get back to what something I think Eric, you mentioned about, uh, Reichel not mattering as much in the long term, And I, I see your point, but I also like how many other top six guys who project as top six forwards do you see 
in the system. Like there's Nazer and there's Oliver Moore. Yep. And that's it. Right. I don't even know that Moore is honestly like that's, that's the hope for him. You're assuming that they're going to have a top five pick and maybe it's Celebrini or Eiserman or, um, you know, after that, it seems like it's all defense. So maybe you get another yeah. winger that way. But I don't know that Reichel is a top six guy. And I mean, that's the thing on a good team, Strom, Schmaltz, even, you know, as much as we all love Tavo, those are kind of more middle six, second line guys yeah. than necessarily like top line, top line guys. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, that, yeah, that's, and that, that's, I would, I totally agree with you on that. But it's also like, but that's still, that, yeah, you, you need those players exactly, Betsy. Like, but they, you can go get them. You cannot go get them. Please, I, come on. <laughs> you have to pay a lot for them, or you have to hope that they'll land, like they'll sign with you. Like they got Carolina got Tavo for nothing because, uh, because Bickle got, was dying. Let's not. <laughs> how many? How many times is the Bickle thing brought up with every team? That's like, why didn't I get like a Tara Vinen when we gave away our shit player? It's because they weren't in the same. The Blackhawks were super desperate, and Bickle was dying. Like, I mean, he's not really dying, but you know, he was he like was, falling apart at the seams. Yeah, he had a a, a yet to be diagnosed medical ailment that was affecting his ho- ability to play hockey. Um, yeah, like it's I. Like if you think like to all the like the middle six of the Hawks good teams like all a lot of those players were either already with the team or like de- the guys that they de- uh, drafted and developed like Versteeg was a trade as a prospect Dave Boland was a draft pick um, who else we got uh, Bufflin was a draft pick. Uh, Conversely he, though, there's a lot of guys like Anton Vermet and Hodzers. Yeah. And well, there's like I think they ate heavy minutes. I think you can get. I think you can you go get both. one. You can get one or two of those guys, but you need you need more than just one or two. And that's and where like that's that's where you well, you don't have the. I think that's Vermette that wasn't so even hard. a top. Vermette was not a top six player when he got to the Blackhawks. Yeah. He was a. Well, they used him like that. No, they middle didn't. Six. Middle six, like, yeah. He was the oh, third line. He and he was, but the way that they rolled their lines is all right. My <laughs> point is, you you have to build your first one like that. But when it's time to pay everybody, you're going to lose some of those guys. So you have to be able to replace them as well. Sure, but we we don't. The Blackhawks currently don't have the system to do that. You know, like they don't. They haven't built it back up yet. So they need to hit on at least a couple of these kids, and so. Reichel middle six, you got to hope he hits somewhere in there. Second or third, it doesn't matter. He could be on a third offensive line. That's fine. And if he doesn't hit here, they need to be able to flip him for somebody. But I just they just don't have many forward prospects, and I they don't have enough assets to be able to go get the talent that, that you guys are t- like talking about. Like I will disagree with you there. <laughs> They've got no, I, I agree. Yeah. If you're, they have 86,000 draft picks. <laughs> How many times does it only take a draft pick to get a top in talent? Well, we can, we can talk in, about that. <laughs> you have to throw in good players for rentals. Maybe you can throw in a late first round pick for a decent rental. Cause that's I don't know, the they, it looks like they're going to be able to trade Lucas Reichel as part of this package. So I'm just saying, I don't, I don't agree that it's like that easy to get. Otherwise, so many teams would get people like way better. Well, Um, like it feels like that's the whole problem with the Oilers is that they've never, they've had McDavid and Drysaddle, and they haven't been able to fill out the rest of their top three lines. I guess essentially, you know, and that's this, and that's like, I mean, look at like Toronto. Like the only reason that they got. They all of their big stars except for Tavares are drafted players that they developed. Now, granted, all of them were top round picks. Like they were all. Top yeah, top those players, are so. blue chip, blue chip. Yeah, exactly. Dudes, I, that's, that's not I'm, Lucas Reichel. <laughs> I know, but I'm not saying that. That's what I'm trying to say is that teams get their best talent through drafting, and the only other way that, like, a lot of times that they get it is through free agent signing. Like Tavares signed there offhand that's how we got hosts and stuff like that but the only other way that they get that is they trade when they're young like sharp or lad or bull you know whoever and they get them and they develop them into it later but i'm just i don't know i just think it's weird to give up on not like give up but like even kids like jack uh jack hughes came in and he 
only had 21 points his first season. He was a, a, a first overall pick. It's why when we say, hey, there might be get a top five pick next year. And it's like, how do you know those top five picks are going to work out? You know, <laughs> so currently speaking, they just don't they don't have the luxury to give up on Reichel. They only have two other potential projected top six ish, middle six ish guys. You've got um, Hayes that might like he's doing pretty good with Flint. But after that, what you got? No, I mean, Ludwinski, there's a there's a bunch of guys that could. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination to give up on Reichel. But I don't think you can pencil him in and say this is going to be a top six guy for the next, you know, five to ten years. Like he's not. Some of it is the team is bad, but also he's not. He had a really good stretch. But outside of that, I don't feel like we've seen any consistency from him yet. And it may take him a couple of years to get here, but you just can't count on him to be coming into the season. Everybody was like crossing our fingers. He's the second line center. You can yeah. check that box. He's that guy. He's going to drive play. He's going to take some of the pressure off Bedard. And we've seen zero of that so far. Yeah. And I don't know that we're going to see it for the rest of the year. Well, so that's a, what I'm saying is they don't have that guy in him right now. And it doesn't look like he's going to be that guy anytime soon. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, go I'm ahead, okay Matthew. with, I'm okay with that assessment. I just don't, you're talking about like he had 15 games last year where he's, he was good. And he's had 22 where he's bad. Those are both not big sample sizes. If anybody totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't, I don't know how his season is going to progress, but I think if you looked at, Strom at in any one stretch of 20 games when he wasn't playing well it would look the same thing but he's still a useful hockey player you know like I don't know I just I I, I agree 100% that you can't pencil him him in I don't I'm not like attached to him I if I want them to at least push him up to be better <laughs> a better trade trip uh, <laughs> chip in the future um at the very least uh I just I think everybody has to slow their roll on the negativity on him as a player simply because the Blackhawks are not, have not shown any improvement in forward development so far. They might have shown a little bit of, um, improvement in defensive, um, development though. Cause like, I mean, Vlasic mostly developed in the, like away from the Blackhawks, but still, um, I don't know. People just have to be this rebuild. It's a rebuild. It's going to have to be where people have to be patient. Um, though I will argue that there were plenty of people, AKA me that was like, Reichel's not a center. <laughs> the start of the season. Well, yeah. Well, and, and that's, and that's, it's, it'd be totally fine if he ended up being uh, a middle six wing. Like that's a perfectly good, they, they need, they need four of those. To well, be some a, guys do struggle when they're taken away from like a position like Strom wasn't as good away from center. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for so, sure. Like, like it, and there might be, you know, th- there's uh, like the. Uh, I remember I wanted to follow up to er- to Eric to your point about like you can't pencil in Reichel as like uh, anything right now because he hasn't mm-hmm. proven that he's a, like a long term piece here. But outside of kind of Bedard, is there anybody you can pencil in as a long term piece here? Because like Korchinski, wow, that's what I'm saying. Well, no, Korchinski I, I, hasn't even proved anything. That's, though, that's exactly my point, Bessie. Is like I I think Korchinski's been good. There there have been a lot of positive signs, and it feels like he will continue to do, to move in the direction that he will end up that way. I feel more optimistic about him than I do about Reichel, but he still only played 23 NHL games, so. It's like, it's like they're the books, the, the jury's out on everybody except Bedard for me. And I don't think Reichel is uh, unique in that. No. And I, I agree. I would just, I, for me personally, I would put Korchinski, obviously not on the same level as Bedard, but I've seen him do things that make me say, absolutely. He's going to be a really good scoring defenseman. It might okay. be two or three years from now, but I see that when I see him, there's too many times I don't see anything from Reichel all game long. And that's all I'm saying. And that could just yeah. be because he's overwhelmed. But yeah. didn't, we th- just, didn't we just say that everybody coming into this season after a 15-game sample last year were saying the same thing about Reichel? This is what happens when we look at two small samples in, like, 
completely mm. devoid of each other. But I you, think if you stop looking at the stats and you look at like some of their habits, the way they move, the way no, they react. I, last year, Reichel was a like everybody was excited about Reichel. It wasn't just his numbers. Everybody was like, he's playing well. He he's was all we had, Betsy. <laughs> That's no, true. He, he, and, and I don't, I don't you, think, I don't think he's, I don't think he's. Um, for the record, I do agree with uh, Eric that Korchinski has moments in it that are much more like you're you're like he could be a star even like it's not just that he could be a good NHL player he's got moves that you're just like wow if he could hone in on that he could be a legitimate star in this um thing you know we're just hoping for good top line player number one d maybe even but he could be a star Reichel doesn't show that but Reichel shows that he could be a good NHL player or he did in those 15 samples he has teeny little bursts right now and there's not enough of them so we're down on it but it's it's recency bias here is what I'm trying to say. Like if we were talking, we, if we looked at our podcast post those 15 games with Reichel, we would not be like, I just, it's, <laughs> it's totally what that is. I, I think it's hard too. Cause we have the Hawks goggles on, but like, if you go watch a random game where you don't look at the lineup card, you just watch the game. You can say, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. Like we don't watch the Hawks like that. We know exactly who people are, what we expect mm. of them. It's it's really hard for us to take ourselves out of that. True. You know what I mean? Because like, especially when you like us for. <laughs> but no, and I agree with what Betsy was saying. And I I'm waiting. I have not seen that player from those 15 games. Yeah. I'll see him make a move every once in a while, but I've not seen him for like a whole period or like a whole game. Even both his goals he scored this year. One was a tip and the other was Bedard fed him for a tap in. Like he has not created a shot for himself. He's dangled a couple guys, but he hasn't been able to finish a play. Like that that's the stuff that I want to see that we're just not seeing yet. That, you know, I, I think everyone is a little frustrated with him because of because he's supposed to, you know, be a playmaker and a little bit of a finisher, and he's not really creating or making plays. Um and also he took a penalty very late in the second period while on the four check. Uh, so a, a penalty 200 feet from his own net, which I'm sure will go over very well. And looking at Twitter, it's already going over very well. The uh, the narrative has already been written and the third period hasn't even started yet. Um, all right. There is a somewhat related topic. Uh, well, I, I think when we get into it, I think it'll kind of be related to the discussion we just had with Lucas Reichel. Um, with some other uh, another Blackhawks adjacent topic that we wanted to get to this evening. So we're going to come back. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and get into that part of our discussion after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we have another. It's going to be kind of similar to this that Lucas Reichel discussion we just had, and it's about um, – well, er- Eric mentioned this in our, our uh, internal Slack chat earlier in the day about um, – well, here, it was like about a hypothetical of what you would do to bolster or fix or just do something to get the Hawks offense going. Is that what the gist of it was, Eric? It was actually, it was a comment you made on your number munchers uh, column, which was the only pushback I'll have about the whole patience thing is that waiting for everyone to be perfect before going forward as an organization is a good way to end up being mediocre for a long, long time. At some point, you just have to make an attempt at winning in the present instead of always kicking that can down the road. And that's, that's kind of, I, you know, it's hard because it's, it feels like it's so early in some ways, but I also think like there are moves that they can be making right now that help them in the present and also would help them in the future. And they, they just announced, um, you know, the governor's meetings are going on right now. The cap's going to go up $4 million next year. The Blackhawks are going to have $52.5 million <laughs> of cap space uh. this summer. 
Uh, I'll have some of that. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take like, just give me like a couple thousand. Like I'll, I'm good. <laughs> so you can't count on Nylander. You can't count on McDavid or Dreisaitl in a couple years. Like Matthews re-up. Like you can't do that. But there are, there's moves, there's guys you can go get now that you can extend that could really, really help your team for the next few years too. Ovechkin. And that's, <laughs> sorry, Eric, this has been a long going thing of mine on this show. Like for you years. want Ovechkin? You want Ovechkin? I just think it'd be funny. Well, um, he's pretty, he, he was looking pretty broke down these days. So I don't know. Maybe we get him with Strom. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring him back. No, oh, but, but sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. You're no, no, no. I, I mean, for me, my guy, the, the guy that I'm looking at, and they just announced today, Markstrom's hand is busted in Calgary. They just traded Zadorov. I think they're ready to go. I think you can go get Elias Lindholm right now. You can plug him in on the second line. That's your number two center for the next. They'd have to extend him. I think you could extend him. It might. They might have to overpay him a little bit. Obviously, they can afford to do that. Um, that automatically that takes pressure off Lucas Reichel. That's your second line center. You can mix and match around that. You have Bedard, you have that locked up. Then when Nazer comes in, you don't have to immediately expect him to be the second line center, assuming that they're going to sign him at the end of the year. And he's having a great season in Michigan right now. So I'm guessing that's going to be the case. Um, that's a dude you could probably pay six or seven million dollars to sign for the next few years. And to me, the comp for that is Horvat. Horvat took a late first round pick, a top five system prospect from the Islanders who had a pretty bad system. Um, and then Bovillier was the, the cash dump that Vancouver had to take back in order to move him out. I think the Hawks could easily make that deal tomorrow. And I think they could even build off that. You know, Calgary has some other pieces too, if they wanted to talk uh, something a little bit bigger. But that's a guy to me that like stamps that current, comes in, helps this team immediately, and also helps them for the next couple years if they want to sign him. He's a really, really good player. He's a good two-way player. And he's a really good second-line center. He's Calgary's first-line center now. And when he was with Goudreau and Kachuk, I mean, that was one of the best lines in hockey. Obviously, he doesn't have those two players anymore, but he's still holding his own. So that's the type of move I'm looking at where there's no reason they couldn't go do that if they want to do that to make themselves better, to take some of the pressure off some of these guys now and who are going to be coming in. And that, that pretty dramatically improves your team, I think. Okay. So I, I have some thoughts on this, but uh, I, I'm curious what, what Betsy thinks about this before I respond. Well, okay. So wasn't the reason they traded Horvat? Was because they didn't one they didn't think they were going to be able to sign him, like there was no like they're already they're in a huge cap issue right now like they're struggling right. Um, they knew they weren't going to be able to sign him, so it's not exactly the same situation um, than what the Hawks are like 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 the Flames are in. So um, I don't know if that would be all it could get to get Lindholm, um, but they traded him at the price of what is normally a trade deadline um, cost, which is a late first or first in, in this case, but it's not like a high first. Um, and then a prospect of some sort, the Blackhawks did this constantly during their cup runs. Um, that was the cost of Vermette and all this other stuff. So what you're getting is a first round, like a first round pick that could turn into a Reichel or something like that. Right. The Blackhawks first round picks are, much more valuable than that, unless they give them, I guess, like Tampa's. That's what I was talking about. It was Tampa's yeah. pick or they have Toronto's pick next year too. Those will both be late first. I don't think Tampa Tampa's won't be. Tampa's got to make the playoffs. I know they're in a wild card <laughs> spot now. Yeah. But they have not been they have not oh. been great this year. But I did I I mean I don't I don't have anything against that. If if the cost is low, I just don't know what prospect you're talking about. Yeah. Well um, I, I don't I wouldn't want to get too far into the minutiae of like what it would take to get to make that, that particular happen. play. Yeah. Yeah, because but yeah, my, I, yeah, it's just that my entire my entire philosophy on this is that I'm not sure that the Blackhawks beyond picks has a robust enough system to start trading assets this season, like two other than picks. Um 
they have a lot of defensive prospects, but we don't know any of their value yet. They traded yeah. Regula because they knew what he was going to do. They didn't, you know, Ian Mitchell went away, all that kind of stuff. They traded Badan because they knew they had seen him, but mm-hmm. they're still evaluating. Like Vlasic's not going anywhere, obviously. <clears throat> Korchinski's yeah. obviously not going anywhere. Uh, Kaiser looks pretty good, but they just, you know, they still need to evaluate him. We know Phillips is probably ready, but for some reason they sent him down. They've got um, Bigfoot up right now. Um, <laughs> uh, Louis Crevier. <laughs> Louis Crevier. Crevier. I'm never, I'm never going to pronounce his name right. Um, we'll just call him Sasquatch. That's fine. And then they have, they have like Allen and Demestro in Rockford too right now that look like they've been pretty good, but they're, they're brand new. They're babies. Yeah. Um, so they don't, I don't know. They just, they, they don't, they don't have a lot of wiggle room with them. They have a lot of them, but they don't know which ones. If you look at quantity and you look at probability with that quantity, you're really only going to get maybe three out of that group, even at that size amount. Mm-hmm. You don't know which three. What if you make the wrong? Well, like they just, they, they, they haven't sat, they haven't, they don't, they haven't had enough time to evaluate them. I, I, I think so. the counter, like, I, I think the counter to that, Betsy, is that's, that's their job. Like, it is, that is their job to properly assess and evaluate. Sure. These but guys like, are going to be good. Do, do they have enough information yet for all of them sure. is my yeah. point. Like that there's no rush. This is a transition period. My Like in a rebuild, I don't think they need to go out and get a great player. I do not like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. Um, yeah. <laughs> certain. I actually really, I didn't even think about Lindholm, but I actually really like that idea mostly because I really like him as a player <laughs> and he's 29. So he's getting up there, but I think he'd still be good for enough years that he could. Yes, benefit uh, especially as a second line center. Yeah. yeah. And it, I don't it, think, if he's 29 now, there's a possibility he's only going to be a second line center for like another two, maybe three years. Um, so it just depends on. Yeah. I, I think. And, and the other thing is like having Lindholm there could help, you know, it helps everybody else develop around him. And so that maybe some other players like Nazer or more, whoever develops to the point that if yeah. you have to say goodbye to Lindholm because he ages out or whatever, you have someone waiting in the wings to take his spot. So or if I, he I, falls to three, that's fine too. Yeah. You know, one of the other kids. I think, I think the, the, the principle here that Eric has, I, I really, I like the idea of it because it does seem like, like the Hawks, the roster is so devoid of talent that at some point, like again, I think Connor Bedard's going to be fine. I don't think I'm breaking a, I don't think I'm a, breaking any news with that. I, I think most people are confident he will be just fine developing, but all these other players around him probably need a little bit of help to, uh, they, they need some other players to play with, to be able to develop at the NHL level. And like, I mean, if you want to go back to the Taves and Kane thing, they did come up together and played on the line together a lot. So I guess like they, they had each other to work with early in their careers at Ford and, and Sharp was already on the team and Martin Havlett was on that team too. So they had My legit boy. talent when those guys came up. And so at, at some point it's like you, you're, you know, I like that comment that Eric read off. Like I I'm, it's a very, uh, it's an inexact thing. And I, I don't want to make it sound like the Hawks need to be like chasing a playoff spot this season. But at, at some point you just like, if you keep just saying, Oh, we're just, we're still rebuilding. We're still rebuilding. We're still rebuilding. We're going to get to 2030 and they're still going to be rebuilding. Connor Bedard will be scoring 125 points a season and no one will give a shit. Cause the Hawks won't be any good. So it, it feels like at some point, maybe you need to bring in, you know, if Willie Nylander hits free agency this summer, maybe go get him or maybe there's, there's some other, uh, some other cap casualty of a, a top end forward that becomes available that the Hawks can get their hands on. Like I, 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 as I'm watching the team this season, like it's just feeling more and more like you, like they've had these, like, you know, they had the 2021 season where it was just the kids and they played all the, all the time. And no one from that, era really developed and like we're doing this again and there's not a ton of development happening and because it's you know bedard and kurashev and reichel and then three fourth lines and so maybe maybe they just need to try something different especially like if you know if frankie naser happens to be up next season because he tears things in michigan and and just destroys the ncaa and needs to come up to the nhl because he's done all he can in college like maybe having another 
a legitimate NHL top six forward would be Dutch would be not the opposite of Dutch Mosel would be beneficial yeah. to the uh, to the development of all these other players. And Anthony Bavillier seems like a fine NHL like a fine NHL level player, but he's not. No, <laughs> he's not a top six forward. He's just not. Um, so, I'd agree. I actually think that's their plan, though, for next year. If you look at their, if I you hope look so. At the, if you look at the contracts, Johnson is gone. Uh, Flino is gone. Dickinson is gone. Uh, but the oh man, I'm not going to pronounce his name. Goddamn, Bo Bovillier. Bovillier. There we Bovillier. go. Zaitsev is <laughs> gone. And contracts he's aside, gone. Taylor Hall's dead. <laughs> yeah, t- Taylor. Oh yeah, that's right. They'll get Taylor Hall back. The this, this season yeah. the same. Um, He's going to rise up from the yeah. ground. Zayatov gone. hopefully gone. They they literally are going to have openings. I actually like the idea of the air kind of pick, getting them sooner than next year because the plan that they had, because they did have this plan to pick up a couple of, you know, guys. Taylor Hall just, you know, died. Um, Sky Point. We pretend Corey Perry's dead. And Felino's been fine. I actually think he's been better than I expected him to be. He's he's played a lot better. He's than on hat trick watch tonight. So I know. Yeah, so I think is everybody he, else on the team. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you've got like you've got the four older vets leaving, or you know maybe they'll sign one or two of them to hold over or something like that. But I think they're they've set it up. All of their RFAs are ready to be signed except for, um, Kur- like Kurashev and. Uh, Donato is the only UFA that's passed this year. I want and then Bedard, of course. So you've got you've got a lot of forward space that's going to be mm. open real estate for kids and other um, stuff. I, I feel like that's how they set it up. That last year was the year go for Bedard, tank, tank, tank. This year is transition season. They probably don't want to be as bad as they are, or otherwise they wouldn't have gone after a haul or yeah. you know picked yeah, up. Yeah, I, I guess Rufino. And then they expect next year they're going to start to add talent, both through their own system and outside their system, and that that's the reason they're starting to pick up. I just I don't know if they're ready yet this season to and throw that, players into trades yet, like yeah. prospects, unless a perfect situation comes up, you know, like who knows? Yeah, and I guess I, should, go ahead, Eric. No, I was going to say I think they have to, and it's Why? Hall is Hall is gone. Athanasiu, who knows. Perry is gone. Like they're, if your it's argument hurt, is it's hurting development because they're underwater. Like these kids are just getting their brains beat in, and so I don't know what kind of development you're doing. So that's my overall kind of point. Is like it's it's hard. There's a small sample size on Reichel, but he's not slotted where he should be, and you, they're asking him to do too much. And I think that that. If it at the end of the year we look up and he has 20 points and he's been bounced all over the lineup, that's the organization failing. I don't think that that's the player failing. Like he shouldn't be putting in that position. He's shown you he can't handle it yet. So like to keep putting him out there and expecting him to handle it, that's not good for anybody. But Man, he was, he was also that. like well, he was also <laughs> near a point per game in the AHL last season. So like I don't know, so, I don't know what else he was going to get out of the AHL. So my so I always look at so what's the most recent good like team that had a bunch of young players go through the system and they went through like a growing pain and it's the New Jersey Devils. Um, mm-hmm. When Jack Hughes came into um, the league, the Devils were at the bottom of the Metro that first season. Um, I think they were at the bottom of the Metro that next season too. They were in the bottom three because they got the Hughes pick. Um, so for a few. Uh, they were bottom six the year after that. And then last year, they finally started hitting on their kids' talent, started coming in. They pulled in the vets like they wanted to. So, And they signed and, Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, they had two years you. post their, you know, their um, after. So they had two years, a third year. So they had three years of not good you know, they got Hughes and then they had three seasons after that, that they were not good though. They were adding talent. They were getting kids in there, but that 1920 year and that 2021 year were really bad Jersey teams. <laughs> yeah. It didn't seem to hurt any of the you know kids. Who was good in 1920. The Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I, I, I totally understand Eric's point of view because I'm, I'm of the mind that 
Reichel is in fact getting hurt developmentally. I totally agree with that part. Um, I just, I don't know what you can, what they can throw at them. They were hoping that Hall would be here and that would push down maybe Kurashev or they could have picked up, you know, a different player to play on that second line, you know, down the line whenever it happened. But I just, I feel like this season is a transition season and people like, and and I think and I don't should, I don't think the defenders are doing bad. Like Vlasic is doing awesome. I think Korchinski has better games than bad ones, and he's playing through them pretty well. Like um, Phillips, I don't think should have been sent down. I think he was on the. I ride. agree. Yeah, totally. Um, and then Kaiser, I thought was doing. I thought he he had a handful of um, really really good games the minute that he got put with Phillips, and then they had that one bad game. And that was enough. Um, but he was inconsistent and he's, he's only 21. He's the youngest of all those kids and he never played in the HL. So yeah. um, I don't mind them going down, but I don't know. I just, I don't think there's, like we said, Bedard's going to do Bedard things regardless. And if he's yeah. the only one that really, truly, truly matters other than Korchinski, I don't, I don't know if you really need to make any rush moves this year. Um <laughs> My, so my I, thing is unless, just, unless, as Eric said, a good opportunity comes up, then go for it. I like I said, I like. I never thought about some of the things that you were like that. That type of move, I think, is actually a good one. So, and that's just my point. I don't want to see them do the same thing to Nazer next year that they're doing to Reichel now. Yeah. And well, he has to come in and be the second line center, and he has to create because that's the expectation. So, yeah. if there's a way that you can kind of hedge your bets on both sides, and there's a couple moves I think you can make like that. To me, I love Lindholm as a player too. And that's why he's one of the names that, and he's regardless, he'll be a free agent this summer unless he signs an extension somewhere first. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's traded somewhere else, he has made it known he's not going to resign in Calgary, which is why he will be traded at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's moves like that that can be made. Um, you know, that that do both things that check both boxes. That's all. I bet you he'll be cheaper though. If just my brain is, he'll go to a contender, they'll lose. And then there'll be too cap strapped for him to be able to sign with them. And then as a lot of 30 year olds, uh, hockey players will think is, well, this is my last chance at a big payday. Why wouldn't I want to go play with a Bedard? Um, so you might be able to just get him for cash. Which the Blackhawks have a lot of, yeah. As you well. said, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and like, I, just, and I just don't. Next season is the season. If they're not pulling in good t- like talent to fill around their kids, then we get angry. Yeah. This year, I'm just like, it would be nice. But, you know, but, and and I think we should like it should be now. Is like they did try a little bit of this with Taylor Hall, you know, and and you know, I he the oft injured Taylor Hall, and he got injured again because that's kind of what seems to happen to Taylor Hall lately, unfortunately. So it's not like they were completely oblivious to this, but now it's like now with the Hall definitely out for the season, it's like I guess it's like, do you give up assets now? And I, I think if the Hawks were going to give up assets now to try and find some more forward talent to play with Bedard or Reichel or whomever, I think it would it wouldn't be just like a rental. It's like you want to try and find somebody who could be around for the long term, and that is a very difficult piece to find in the middle of a season. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a guy like mid late twenties who could be like a middle six forward for the next five to ten years on your team. Like those players aren't just growing on trees, and if they are, they are probably under long term contracts, and the teams aren't willing to get rid of them. Um, so why can't Reichel score then? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. Oh yeah, he just had the the. He chipped it through like three bodies into yeah. what looked like an empty net, but it hit one of those bodies and didn't go one in. One of these days. His first shift of the game, it was like it was indicative of who he's playing with with uh, Donato and Entwistle. Like Entwistle got the puck near the left dot, and and Reichel like opened up on the opposite faceoff dot and put his stick up like for a one timer. And my first thought is like, man, that puck ain't coming to you. Like it's 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 a good thought. He moved into like Reichel moved in the open space. And let his teammate know he was available, but I don't. That's not. I don't think that's an entwistle level skill. Uh, maybe Bedard finds him for that one. So, you know, I guess that would be indicative of trying to uh, put him in a situation to succeed. He did walk right around Jeremy Lawson from uh, Nashville to set that play up. So that was, that was that was some nifty work by Reichel. Pass, get, pass fails like um, 
one of the things that Corey tracks is passes that like essentially should be shots. Like if the other player received it properly, it's a good pass. It's just not received correctly. There are players, uh, that was one of the, the stats that like Strom and, and Schmaltz to a degree, but Strom got it a lot when he was on the fourth line, when he wasn't playing with Taves and Kane. People could not receive his passes. The minute you put him with players who could, he starts to knock in points. He's not a shooter himself, but Reichel has that, but not as high. He, I'm not trying to, like he's, uh, Strom actually had some, had better high quality passing than Kane did that last season. Um, Reichel's not in that class but it's just one of those like that may never turn into anything um sometimes you just don't ever click with someone but it's just it's frustrating i get it i I know why eric's like get him something get something give them help send them a fucking life vest already (laughs) (laughs) also also fucking life yes for (laughs) us we have to write about this fucking team for 59 more games. Uh, you guys, Jesus they, Christ. They, when they had physical tickets still, the season tickets came in like a big box. So it was like real fancy. Um, they're going to be sending that to all of us, but it's going to have like a pack of cigarettes in it <laughs> and like a bottle of aspirin. Uh, and just ask for like whiskey. Well, um, yeah. Well, that yeah, naturally. Of course. Same. Like I, so that, that number of munches article that uh, Eric referenced as I was writing that on Monday, when I got to the end of it, I had this thought hit me and I don't think this is an, an earth shattering groundbreaking thing, but I, the Hawks roster this season seems like it's uh, if you f- uh, factor in like often who has been out for a month and Taylor Hall's done. Uh, I think this roster is less talented than the one from last season overall. Like Absolutely. last season they had Taves Kane and, and, yeah. and like Max Domi has a 60 yep. point season on his resume. All those guys are gone. They added Bedard, but Bedard is the uh, McCabe and Lafferty. Yeah, like look at that. They're both doing really well on you know the teams that they're on now. So you, yeah, absolutely. Bedard is the, like hanging a hood, nice hood ornament on a shitty car. Do you guys <laughs> ever think about if they would have gotten Fantilli or Leo Carlson? How? Just brutal this year would be right now. No, I, I mean, don't want myself. We don't have there. to. Thank God. <laughs> we would be like, yeah. poor fun. We'd be like, Fantilli, go back to school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Longer. He, he would have been, he would have been gone to med school. He's like, no, I'm staying in Michigan <laughs> yeah, yeah. for five yeah. more years. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah the I Black Hawks would be relocating. Degrees. <laughs> yep. Oh. Uh, him and Nazer would be uh, eight year, uh, eight year students at Michigan. Yep. Super senior. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I was looking at the stats number you put together, the stats article you put together. And so I was looking into like, oh, they're a little bit better at like trying to generate offense. Like they've got slight, most of that's Bedard because he's a volume shooter. <laughs> yeah. well, and that's, and the other, like the other thing about all this is it's also kind of hard to evaluate the coach. Like, how do you know if Luke Richardson is a good coach or not when he has three fourth lines every night? Like Again, I, I, you, I, it's like it, it's rhetorical, but it's also like I, I don't know the answer to that question. Like it's, it's hard to evaluate much of anything when it's. It's it harder looks, to like yeah. we could. It's very. It was very clear that Colleton had issues with all of his systems. We all were like, not only did the numbers look bad, but just everything looks bad. You why are why are you behind the net all the time? I don't understand. <laughs> um, and yeah, then yeah, it was the the gaping uh, area in front of the net, and the only player there was someone from the other team. Right, like why? All the time. All the time. Um, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Uh, <laughs> I'll take eight. No, Betsy's right, though. Like, the, like, we could see how bad of a coaching job that was. This is hard to tell because it's a safe coaching job. They're not doing anything super fucked up, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything really good. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, and those, like, the Colleton era Hawks were, like, at some point, some points during that tenure, they were trying to win games like in the short term. They were, they were not building for something I mean, uh, long-term. Look at the roster from that fake playoff where they played Vegas. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and Corey Crawford, but that was Kublik scored 30 goals. Like they, they still had some dudes. They still had some guys. Then. It, like Kane was still pretty. Yeah. Like, he was starting to have some of the, the hip injury issues, but he was still tearing it up pretty well. I think Taves had a pretty good season in there before uh, before he missed an entire year. Um, yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, that covered a lot of ground. We talked about this beforehand. Uh, I I don't know if we have a food take or a food thought. Did anybody come up with one before we uh, 
before we run away from uh, from all this and settle in for this thrilling conclusion to this Nashville Chicago game that's tied at three with nine and a half to go. All right, here I, I got I got a very simple one because uh, I I don't know if I don't think Eric was joining us for these uh, discussions yet. Eric, what's the best Christmas cookie? Oh damn. Um. It's hard for me. I will never turn down the peanut butter with a Hershey kiss. Okay. Um, those are fantastic. And I usually only have those around Christmas. So I mm-hmm. just, even though it's not necessarily a Christmas cookie, like in my family, it's just always been a Christmas cookie. So I think, I think that's where I'm going. Yeah. I think I, when the same as you, like, it's not like Christmas like flavors, but it seems like December is the only time I see those, uh, wonderful treats available. So I'm I'm with you. I'm, I I I will totally sign up for that. Although, like, um, some like I I think the uh, like there's like sugar cookies for the most part are pretty good, but I think there are some just abominations of sugar cookies out there that uh, pop up during December that need to be uh, need to be exterminated. We just more of the peanut butter with the Hershey Kiss on it and uh, fewer shitty sugar cookies. That's my that's my food take. Uh, Betsy or Mill, did you have any Christmas cookie thoughts? Tis the season and all that. There should be more snickerdoodles in everybody's. Like, instead of doing sugar cookies with frosting and stuff, snickerdoodles because they're a superior cookie that also is still basic enough that other things could be added to it, like decorations. Um, I'm pretty much a garbage disposal, so I'll eat all of them. Oh, I'll go um, the, also the cornflake that people dye green, and then they add Ooh. the hot cinnamon candies on there, like the oh, little fake Christmas trees. Yeah. Those are fantastic. I love yes. those ones, too. What okay. is this? It, it's basically a Rice Krispie treat, but you would use it's made to look cornflakes like, instead. It, it's supposed to look like holly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, like they dye it green. So, But then at least the ones that we get, we have like a neighbor that always does a cookie tray for, and gives it to my parents, and then I go to their house and eat them all. Um but they do – that's one of the ones that they do. And they use little hot cinnamon candies to look like – I don't know if it's supposed to be ornaments or berries or whatever. Um, but that's a good one too. Never seen that. I like the um, – there's a variation of the peanut butter one, which I think the peanut butter one's good too. But it's like a sugar cookie, but they put the Christmas-flavored kisses in it. Ooh. Oh, okay. Well, nice. That's, that's a slight variation off the one Eric mentioned. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's a. It's not like as probably as good as the peanut butter, but it's a solid like to mix it up during the holidays. Because there's a lot of different Hershey Kisses now too. It's actually pretty crazy. There's like a birthday cake and like a Christmas one. There's a bunch. The Christmas ones are good. Like the white chocolate one with peppermint. That one's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, like that. that one's awesome. I think I've said this in years past, but Magic Bars are also mm. Mm. like the best. They're they're I, anytime, but I feel like mostly people have. Is them. that like but seven layer? Yeah, seven layer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah those are fantastic too. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's one of the few ones that I don't mind making from scratch. It's not really making anything. You're just pouring shit on. The cookie platter I was talking about. They also do one. I don't know if you guys have ever had this. It's like a little square pretzel, and they like melt a Rolo. Oh put yeah. The Rolo on it, and then they do the M and M's on top, like the red or green ones for Christmas. That's. It's not really a cookie, but that's fantastic too. I, I kind of think Rolos are better like that than by themselves. I agree with you. Yeah, I this is the first time I've ever wanted a Rolo, so <laughs> <laughs> it's good on it. Like on the pretzel, it's all melty and like so the insides kind of. I don't know. It's I hard to, to describe. I had to look up Rolo. Yeah, it's like softer because when you get them normally, yeah. they're kind of hard, or sometimes the chocolate's almost like waxy. But by melting it, like you're changing the complexion of it, and it's softer. I agree with Mill. I think they're better that way. Speaking of plastic and chocolate, that is actually something that the U.S. does. But um, if you order chocolate <laughs> from Europe, it will taste completely different. There's a Europe. There's a in Atlanta. There's a like all they do is desserts, um, and they import all of their chocolate from out of the U.S. Um, I think mostly from like the the people who own it are German, so I think mostly from Germany. But it is a wild experience to go from that and the Korean bakery that's down the street from there. And you're just like, why do we do anything in America um, with <laughs> oh, American, <apples> chocolate? <laughs> yeah. American chocolate is garbage. It's so terrible. And especially like 
my kids will get them stuff every once in a while now. The quality's gotten even worse. Like it just keeps going downhill. Half the time it tastes like it's though we try to just get the seasonal stuff because then at least you know it's like somewhat fresh. You know, like <laughs> those are the only decent Reese's anymore. I won't buy a regular Reese's. They're just they're not good. I have a bag of uh, Reese's Christmas trees in my fridge right now. There you go. That's now I've been talking it. about it. I'm absolutely going to go again. I'm going to get it right now. I mean, yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trash talking American chocolate, but I'll eat a lot of it. <laughs> okay, I'll throw something out real quick. Have any of you had the Reese's that have like chips or pretzels in the inside? No. Like, like it's like no. a peanut butter a peanut butter cup, but with the pieces on the inside. Yeah, it's like a I've really seen, giant cup. Okay, I've seen this advertised, but I have not had it. Uh, I would say not terrible, but yeah, it's like it, it, it's like kind of interesting. But I feel like again, kind of to Eric's point, it w- if it was fresh, it'd be really good. Yeah, I'm not if your uh, review of a candy is not terrible, then I feel like I my time is better spent on other candies. Yeah, the mm. big cups were really good when they first came out. But then same thing. I just the last they got time hard. I had one. Yeah, I was like, I'm not eating this anymore. No, I agree but, with you because I had the pumpkin, the white chocolate pumpkin Reese's for Halloween. And they were like kind of the same texture as the trees or the bunnies. And it was just like, oh, this is great. Yeah, the, if you know that it's fresh, it's, it makes a difference. It's so much better. And I'll say, too, anytime you add like chips or pretzels, I think to a candy bar, like I'm absolutely I'm all for that. Like a take five. Yeah, take five, take five solid. I mean, I don't even, I wouldn't even get candy anymore. If I wanted anything, I'd probably get like chocolate covered pretzels. Yeah, or I'm like an ice cream kind of person. I've got, Eric, I've got a development in that world that you might, I don't know if you're a <laughs> development. Person. Yeah, development. <laughs> this is, I didn't know these existed and I found them at my last Costco trip and I bought the bag and I. Thin mints? Uh, yes, thin, yeah. mint, thin mint coated pretzels, which yeah. was. Oh, I put them in my freezer. Oh my God. I just, I need to buy that bag like once, uh, like maybe like quarterly because otherwise, uh, otherwise I'm gonna need to get an entirely new wardrobe because I'm gonna eat the whole damn thing too fast. Uh, They also did for a minute. They had, um, the same thing, but they had almonds. They were like thin mint coated almonds. And those were really, really good too. I think they switched and they only do the pretzels now because it was Costco too. Yeah. But those, yeah, if you see the almonds, the almonds were fantastic too. All right. All right. Well, I used we'll, to work for them. We sold a lot of those pretzels. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, oh, so, so this isn't a new thing. It, it was just a, a new, uh, it was new you, to me. But the not thing about Costco me. is every so often they move shit around all over the place to make you wander the store. Yeah. That's fine. I, I'll wander. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, thank you so much for listening to all of this. Uh, we appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. It was interesting to have a conversation where I feel like we, there's been so many instances where we're all just kind of in agreement about like, yeah, this sucks. Uh, it was, it was nice to have, uh, it was good to have some, uh, some differences of opinion. So I, I hope everyone enjoyed it. It seemed like we, we got some good quality conversation out of it. Um, keep, keep an eye on the website. Maybe we'll have, uh, we'll turn this into a, a written argument as well. Um, but thanks to mill and Betsy for Eric and Eric for hanging out this evening. And again, thanks to you for listening. And, uh, we'll probably be back next week talking about, Hey, at least we were talking about on ice stuff, right. And not any off ice weirdness or dumbass rumors. The internet, uh, clout chasers were making up. So, um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, whatever it is that happens next. And we'll talk to you then. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.